0: perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado and as always celebrate
1: this is Joe Cole
0: this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek and you're listening to the London London Blue Blue Podcast. Podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your hosts, Brandon, Joel, my host, Nick, and Dan. Gentlemen, we are here, in case you are not aware, for the Sheffield United Match Review FA Cup edition. But Dan, oh Dan, oh Dan, we've got a guest.
2: We do. And uh, you know what? It's nice that we're bringing him around for a resounding win. You know, just <laughs> absolutely, you know, no empirical evidence could be presented to counter this—that this was just comprehensive victory once again from Chelsea. And Simon Johnson is here from the Athletic to break it down with us.
1: Yeah, I—I I, I think that game matches my personality, you know. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was my. Well, I—I'm relieved actually because my record on this podcast, I don't think is the best. <laughs> I think if we if we did a if we did an overall, it'd be something like played six, one, two, lost three, drawn one, or something like that. Um, but uh but isn't it great isn't it great that uh you know we can remotely complain about a 2-0 win to to get through to an (laughs) FA Cup semi-final I think that's a that's a sign of how the standards have grown since Tuchel arrived Nick this
0: is the perfect podcast for you then
3: oh man you're gonna steal the show when we're talking about the sweet spot this is where I live baby let's go this is gonna be fun Uh,
0: well, uh, just so you know, kind of a, an editor's note here, we are recruiting or recording during the Leicester and Manchester United match. Uh, I think the draw might come out mid-pod, so if it does, we'll update it. If not, um, you'll just have to fill in the pieces.
3: Uh, just, just plan on us getting City in the next round, because that's probably how that's going to go.
0: Cup draws have been pretty friendly this season. Uh, yeah. Can
3: that last forever with Chelsea Football Club? I don't know.
0: I wouldn't mind. Why not? It did. It did in the Europa
3: League last time we we did that dance. That one. That's okay. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I'll give you that one. Then we had the FA Cup draw last year, which was the complete true. opposite of that. Yeah. So
1: it could be a rematch for Southampton. Don't forget of, of a few years ago <laughs> when uh, Giroud worked his magic. Oh, Wembley in that game. So twinkle yeah. toes. Never forget.
0: Um, All right. Well, hey, look, we we always kick this off with the three of match review and the overview. Uh, But real quick, I want to make sure you all if you haven't. Uh, Simon and company at The Athletic with Liam. They do uh, a Chelsea podcast as well. There's a free edition. Check it out. Um, otherwise, subscribe. We're all personally subscribed to The Athletic. We really enjoy the content that they go out. It's very in-depth Chelsea specific. They don't do the Chelsea played and it was it. like They actually dig into topics and articles. So again, just highly recommend um, I'm checking into that. As They usually have some sign-up specials and things like that. But just check it out at, over at The Athletic. Uh, What we're going to be discussing, though, in this one are Chelsea's continued successes under Thomas Tuchel, this time advancing us forward in the FA Cup again. We're going to dig into a few of the performance of note during the match, including a run out to knock off the rust for Christian Pulisic. And how much rust did he knock off? And then lastly, maybe a little open mic session, on a little freestyle, see if anyone's got some strong opinions or things we haven't touched on, uh, just to make sure we can round it out. But, Dan, before we get into all that goodness... We do have your uh, highly patented and um, copywritten and buttoned up legally three word match review. <laughs>
2: uh, we got some good ones this time. Uh, Jeremy with the clean sheet FC, so CFC that was clever. Uh, Keith with the nit performance, which felt uh, felt apropos given the like NCAA that. March Madness going on. Ernie with the who needs cards question mark. Will Bleeds Blue with the Just Win Baby, the Al Davis special. Uh, CS with Why Not Us, just to make sure that Nick is aware that we're
3: still banging that drum. All right, look, after (laughs) this one, let's just, can we cool the Why Not Us for like a minute here? Come on. Nope. The of the
2: train. Anyway, yeah. Adi with uh, the final full rotation question mark, kind of calling the fact that we we're going to be basically playing essentially a final each time heading into the uh, remainder here. So we should probably not see some of the same rotation. Tosser of coin with we got Mick Lucky. <laughs> Chip, Chip Law with Sheffield wins La Liga question mark. <laughs> and then Oliver with the lineups more exciting. And uh, that rounds us out. Another good round of three word match reviews.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely some funny ones. Clearly, Dan, you uh, plugging lucky. your <laughs> own your own narrative there uh, about uh, every match from here on out being a final, but we'll, we'll let it slide because uh, Adi's good good times. Uh, we have our own three word match reviews. So, Simon, if you have not prepared, we apologize, for blindsiding you, but we'll stall. Dan, the father of the three word match review, what is yours?
2: System withstands shock.
0: Okay. He played by the rules. Nick, it's kind of hard to argue.
3: The, I mean, th- that was the only shocking part of what happened today. Um, mine, I'm going back to a classic. We were joking about this before the before, the, uh, before pod started. Nick wins, by the way.
2: Nick wins. the. the uh, it's going to be real hard to beat.
3: Thrilling since 1905, baby.
1: Yes, <laughs> we did it. Woo! <sighs> yeah, the, club, the, club, the club will applaud you for keeping the plug that. <laughs> Keep That's it brilliant, alive. <laughs> brilliant marketing line there.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll definitely need to invoice them, I think, for for that plug. Uh mine is still no offense. A lot of own goals in in our recent uh <laughs> fortunes right now. And I, I think it uh that are the that is where we have the biggest question marks on the team, which is no surprise. But I have a new perspective. I won't just beat on the Timo Werner drum more and more. Uh, Simon, over to you.
1: Well, I had thought of one, although it's been totally trumped um, there by the, the lucky. But I think you've got to say thank you, McGoldrick. Oh yeah, it's just it's just uh, every time you sort of see a replay of that that chance, you go, how on earth? That's one of the best defensive headers I've seen this season. It was, <laughs> it, was it, it was harder to miss, um, and I keep I keep doing this tweet now. It's almost become part of my post match repertoire. Uh, I don't know whether you guys noticed, but I I keep tweeting now. Minamino is still the only opposition player to score against CFC, and I just keep keep adding up the game. It's now fourteen games. It's yeah, obvious. you
3: they up at Cobham. I'm sure they have one of those boards that says days, <laughs> days without incident, <laughs> except it's days without opposition score. And it, they just keep ticking them up. Like, yeah, that's I suppose it. that's what it is.
1: That's it. I mean, how, I mean, how you Sheffield United didn't though. I mean, they <laughs> had a few other chances as well. It was, uh, but Hey, you know, it's it, it can only uh, breed confidence that this run continues.
0: Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, Actually, I'm going to avoid that talking point. Anyways.
1: <laughs> i jinx it. Remember the pre-show? No. I, th- yeah, I think
0: there's a couple of people that were very anti-Tuku when he came in, and their, uh, their, their tunes have changed, I think you could say. Mm. Uh, hard not to. But hey, before we get into the the match review from here, we're going to do some of our gratitudes and housekeeping. I mean, opportunities for us to thank our listeners who engage with us, and, and I to that joined on Patreon for an entire year huge thank you to you then we got miles lincoln felipe ian Rems, who all joined up on the monthly subscription so see you in the discord hopefully you enjoyed the match day madness as we were busy again today dan apple podcast five star reviews
2: yeah, plenty more five star reviews on Apple Podcasts coming in. I want to thank LK, Sam Blam, Ten Plotch, and then Nickname Taken One Eight Three Eight Three. Looks like just pie kind of continuing into all eternity there in terms of numbers. But uh, thank you for the five star Apple Podcast reviews and
0: leave us another one, and we'll thank you during the next episode. Absolutely, Nick. Some housekeeping. What's coming up?
3: That's right, um, locker room. Got to, mm-hmm. got to always plug that in there. We did a a preview yesterday morning. Um, that it's a good discussion about. You know, this was not the the most glamorous of of FA Cup ties, so we uh, we had some fun with it. Uh, I think we're gonna do some sort of trivia thing next weekend. It's obviously international break, and you know that's these are the worst times ever for international breaks. But um, I think we're gonna do some sort of fun trivia thing. Just spice it up a little bit on locker room next week. And we have a big week coming up. We have Matt Law coming up. We have a Chelsea women's match review coming up and a Chelsea youth update. And Chelsea youth hasn't been on the show for some time. So there's a lot to catch up on there. So lots happening. We're going to keep you busy during the international break. Yeah. Love it.
0: Um, All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the match review. We did have Sheffield United in the FA Cup this past Sunday, 21st of March. And uh, yet again, Dan naming it Tommy Tuchel's West London Fortress. Kind of. Hard to argue with it, though, really, at this point. Uh, in case you miss a scoreline, Chelsea 2, Sheffield United nil. Uh, we don't have any highlights, unfortunately, to plug. But, Dan, what in the world are you going to do with this lineup?
2: I don't know. I don't know which one I should read. Should I read the first one that got tweeted out, the second <laughs> one that got tweeted out where they forgot to change the sub bench, or the third one when they actually got it right? Because it, it definitely ran the gamut this morning. And, uh, you know... Unfortunately, poor Chelsea Twitter admin did, not, did uh, not get a lot of thanks and praise. <laughs>
3: <clears throat> yeah, you, you, what happened is when they were creating the graphics, they didn't put an archive folder together with the old ones. And so they just grabbed them. And anyone who's been in advertising knows that, that can happen. So good luck.
2: All right, well, the actual lineup was Kepa Aretha Blogga between the sticks, Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, and Emerson as your back three, Calm hudson Adoy, Billy Gilmore, Mateo Kovacic, and Ben Chilwell as the four, with Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Olivier Giroud starting in the attack. Unused substitutes included Antonio Rudiger, Timo Werner, Willie Caballero. Used substitutes included Kai Havertz, Cesar Espliqueta, Rhys James, Hakam Ziyech, and Ingolo Conte locking it down.
0: All right, well... Uh, from there, some of the top-level stats. Uh, Chelsea with 63% possession, uh, 8 shots, 3 on target. Uh, but Sheffield, 7 shots, 4 on target. Uh, that'll be an interesting talking point. Um, I don't know. Really high pass accuracy. We had 8 fouls there, 14. I think this is the talking point in the three-year match review. No cautions, no no red cards. One offsides for us, 2 for them. Two corners for us, 4 for them. It, it was a little bit interesting. So I guess, Simon, how we kind of do it from here is uh, dealer's choice. You can touch on lineup or stats real quick. Uh, which which one caught your eye the most?
1: I think I've got to start with the lineup um, because, I mean, I've written a piece myself quite recently, and I keep sort of plugging it every time it happens, that it's remarkable how many changes Tuchel's making, you know, and maintaining this, this run. I mean, it's 73 changes in 14 games. I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable. Wow. It's obviously a, a, a way of keeping everybody happy. And I think it also explains an element of the disjointed nature of today's performance. Um, there, was so, there were nine changes this time. And it, it I think it, it inevitably there, there's always going to be a little bit of a, a misfire, miscommunication, that sort of, that slight second where a pass goes behind a player instead of in front of them it's kind of normal um, but as I said the encouraging thing is is that despite as I've called him is he the new tinker man um, that he he's on a winning run this is not like when Lampard was making changes and it was in the search of a desperate you know it's almost the sign of a desperate man trying to find a solution to keep himself in a job this is a guy that's sort of pretty much winning every week keeping clean sheets every week and and still keeping that that having very impressive yeah i mean Uh, we we
3: joked yesterday brandon on the on the preview right Uh, shane was talking about emerson coming in as left center back and we were like look i mean we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do something for him if he's right there and that's what happened i mean that is what happened it's crazy
0: i i I did offer drinks on me so i'll have to figure out a way to (laughs) to come good on that one drizzly the new sponsor of this
3: podcast
0: (laughs) yeah Dan, this definitely uh, plays into your three-word match review too, right? The whole uh, system was your reference, and, and that it wasn't shocked. And it is a system. I would argue that it's essentially the back eight are a system. The front three are just uh, a Picasso painting where you don't know what you're going to get every single week. But
2: even in this one, you saw Keppa come into the lineup and you know get a chance to make one or two really good quality saves and you know he he's protected as well because when you don't give up shots you give yourself a chance to win every game you're in you are competitive because the system is again able to withstand a multitude of changes and we've seen examples you know i think back to that uh west ham uh fa cup game where what was it nine changes were made and we ended up losing to them and uh and like, this, like we've seen this happen before. Where managers have tried to make this many changes to rotate and get fresh legs in, and it hasn't worked. And this is an example of where it has. And so credit to Tuchel for continuing to instill something that is allowing us to find a result even when we do make these changes.
3: And I, Look, I would also say it's not easy for a Billy Gilmore or a Kappa or an Emerson or a Pulisic to come in from the cold and mm-hmm. play it, you know, a 10 out of 10. Like – they need time to gel with the rest of the team and, and to make it happen. So I know it looked ugly at times, you know, but at, at some point, too, you do have to bring these guys in. Otherwise, when they come off the bench or if someone gets injured, they're not going to have played in six, seven weeks. Right. I mean, like at some point you have to rotate these guys in to get game time and and knock off the rust a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead, uh, take our quick ad break. When we're back, it'll be all about, you
0: know, Tuchel's system and the players he's using. So, uh, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show and we'll be right back. All right. So Simon, we haven't really spoken to you since Tuchel was appointed. Or maybe we sh- should we say publicly and try to hint at our, our back <laughs> back alley dealings online. Um, so let's just start by getting your read on how he's done. What do you like? And maybe what questions you still have about him. And then obviously we'll talk about the system writ large. And Dan even got ahead of you and put your uh, mean amino tweet in here. So I guess we can we can skip that and just kind of uh, get your initial feelings on Tuchel so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, terrible, terrible appointment. Um, it's really bad, right? uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it's been it's it's just classic Chelsea. This remarkable ability they have of of firing a manager and then having someone that has an instant sort of positive reaction. But it's very easy to sort of just say, "Oh, yeah, this is this is a honeymoon period," and and just dismiss it as. First manager, uh, new manager, sort of bounce back, you know, which which happens at most clubs, maybe not West Brom this season, but it happens at most clubs. Um, but now we're fourteen games in, you can safely say it's it's more than that. It, it's more than just a new man coming in with new ideas. Um, I think the biggest thing when when you when you talk to people about Tuchel, cool is the communication that. It was a major failing, and I was quite surprised when, when sort of digging in around about what was going wrong with Frank. Um, and it certainly, I hasten to add, it brought me no pleasure at all to, despite claims to the contrary on social media, etc. It brought no pleasure at all to be proved right on on this story that he was going. But the problem was that the communication was was not good. Um, there were, f- there were too many players that weren't feeling a part of things. Now, Tuchel, what he's done to great effect is that he pulls players aside, even when they're not playing, and he will explain the decision. And I think we're seeing a, a, a much sort of greater team bond at the moment. We, we saw with Emerson's goal against Atletico Madrid, the level of team spirit on the show there. He had many Mendy running from from the longest run of the night, even beat beat Conte's, you know, uh, (laughs) to join in the goal celebration. And you had had Silva and Jorginho and and Mount celebrating up in the stand. I just think there's just a a real tight bond that he's generated. You're hearing that there's quite a light atmosphere around the training ground. There's a bit of humour, there's a bit of this, there's a bit of that. Of course, long term it's going to be harder for Tuchel to maintain this, keeping everybody happy, inevitably. But I just think he's gone about it in a different way to Lampard, who, who, who very much sort of communicated with his with his chosen few. And that and I was quite surprised by that, given he's been in many Chelsea dressing rooms where that backfired as a player. Um, for him to take that, off, that that same route as a manager was was a bit odd to me, but every manager has their different way of working. Uh, the, the
0: collective under Tuchel, uh, he's been talking about from the beginning too. I mean, gave Kepa those two games early-ish on, yet still said, don't worry, Mendy's our number one. Uh, we now apparently play all three left-backs uh, in matches. <laughs> uh, so Emerson, who thought he probably had no chance, back in the Azuri squad with Italy... Uh, I mean, Nick. There's there's really not too many players you can say have maybe been frozen out, you know, by Tuchel. Um, like I said, I mean, Billy Gilmore is one of the only players not really getting minutes. Zuma, even after a while of not playing at all, has now found himself in a rotation. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that has been quite a revelation.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting too, right? Tuchel did not come in at the beginning of the season. Where he had kind of a fresh slate to work off of, right? And I think it's really important that that people know that it's we were tenth in the league when he came in and facing uphill climbs in the Champions League and and had you know kind of a, an easy FA Cup match, you know, to kind of start the tenure. And so I think it's been kind of triage mode for him, right? We we have to do what We have to do to win. It may not be my preferred way of winning you know we've seen his teams play really brilliant football before I mean we saw his Dortmund teams play exciting uh, offensively minded (laughs) football Uh, but I think he he came in and noted right away the defense is is what we need to solve for and then everything else will kind of fall into place and uh, look I mean I have my doubts long term about this system. I, I've, I have doubts about the whole thing, but you cannot deny the results. I mean, they, they are they are crystal clear. And my my favorite part about him so far, Dan, is that he has brought up in multiple press conferences how he screwed up, how he's owning uh, a mistake. How he looks back at Southampton as something that he really regrets, because we, you know, we we could and or should have won that game and and put us in a different spot on the table. He he is clearly not forgetting the the little details, and and I think is doing what Mourinho used to do a lot and putting himself in front of the firing line before anyone else gets out there.
2: Yeah. I mean he he kind of realized that you couldn't steady the ship that was taking on water without plugging the holes first. And now that the holes are plugged, you know, we can actually chart our course forward and go and accomplish something potentially Special this season, you know. We, we've gone into the the champ, next round of the Champions League, which we have not done for a significant period of time. We're in another FA Cup semi final, which again, just like today, anything can kind of happen in the cup. So you never know what might transpire here. But it's, it's just felt good. It has felt really good to see him and the way that he's kind of controlled the games and, and, and you know, I think taken the appropriate blame when necessary. I mean, I think there was the couple of situations maybe with, uh, you know, subs for Callum or with Tammy, um, you know, that, that, that have been called out as well. And, you know, I think in general, it's just been, I think a really positive appointment, Simon. I think ultimately we're just, yeah, you know, we're, we're the beneficiaries of someone who uh, didn't have a job and uh, we're able to claim him up off the market when we need to make the change.
1: Well, I, I just think as well that um, tactically, I, I think he has that they they look really well coached. They, they look like they know what they're doing, and there were there were times you have to say in the previous eighteen months where that Chelsea played some great stuff under under Frank, but there's also times where games would drift. Um, and and if if a game was getting out of control, decisions would be let's just say the the the, the reaction was a bit slow to change things off the bench, I felt. Um Tuchel, cool. he's not afraid to make a change. The the one thing I I, I probably the thing that I've most been and most annoyed by him actually was the Hudson odoi uh, substitution against Adams. And I felt it was an easy cop out. To if, he, if you're going to make, send a message to the dressing room, I just thought, right, you've picked on the academy guy. Okay, he's a very well paid academy guy, but you've he, not gone after one of the sort of, let's just say, more uh, outspoken uh, members of the dressing room who might have caused a bit more of a stink uh, about being subbed. Um, but apart from that, he's not really put a foot wrong. And I also like, speaking of communication, I find his press conferences are, are refreshing as well. Like he he genuinely, sort of communicates, you know, to, to us and therefore to you fans. You know, it's like he will answer a question. Um, I don't want to sound like this is Lampard bashing pod, um, but I thought Frank was always looking for oh, the, the the ulterior motive behind a question. You know, it could even be one about team news and you could sort of see him going, where are you going with this? It's like, no, it's just about team news, Frank, right? Just answer the question. I think we're getting far more sort of open... communication from tucco about what he's thinking
0: yeah i think a lot of it um has been really gen like Genuine and honest from him too, and I think you know Nick. To your point, is like it. It wasn't. He wasn't here to build a team. He was here to fix a team, and he's done that really well. And you look at the Opta Joe stats. You know, around Tuchel's teams, the first one is two. Thomas Tuchel's conceded only two goals across his last seventeen games in charge of PSG and Chelsea, with one of those an Antonio Rudiger own goal, which we talked about. Uh, then the other one is seven. Chelsea have kept a clean sheet in seven consecutive matches, their longest run since December two thousand five also seven. They've only had one longer run in their history. Nine games ending in December, 1905. Since we started being thrilling, (laughs) we did it. We tied the bow on it. I'm so excited. Can't (laughs) can't believe 1905 came up again. Uh, And then they ended with impenetrable. The point being Simon is that these are all defensive talking points. These are all defensive stats and defensive records. Clearly he's, he's putting that as his priority at what point, if any, are we going to start seeing the entire shape of the team with offense coming coming good? Or do we just not know yet?
1: <laughs> Next season. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I think yeah, I mean, yeah, if we're talking flaws, if we're talking sort of negatives, um, you you'd have to say obviously that, that the goal's four column and, and you do worry sort of during the run in where I mean, Chelsea have only trailed for 21 minutes in a game. like in, in 14 games, 21 minutes is mad. You do worry because the whole game inevitably changes if the opposition score, right? And then suddenly, you know, you have to come out a lot more and and they can hit you on the break, et cetera, et cetera. So you do worry against the kind of teams they could be facing um, in the latter stage of competitions. I mean, they've got, done pretty well to get Porto in the last eight but, of the Champions League. But you do sort of think top four run, et cetera. There will be a game where Chelsea are going to have to come out and score um, and not rely on 1-0 victories, uh, which has been the predominant scoreline. But in terms of, yeah, the best the best we're going to see of this this team going forward, I, I do think it's going to be next season when he when he can actually work a whole pre-season with the team, also get gets the players that he wants. And, of course, the striker that, you know, everyone knows Chelsea are now after. Confirming? If they, are if you they, confirming
0: there's interest? Huh? <laughs> Simon, you <laughs> sly Simon.
1: <laughs> um, you know, if if Chelsea can somehow persuade Haaland to ignore his many suitors and come to Stamford Bridge, very Eden hazard saga, this 2012. If Chelsea have a a, a a repeat of 2012 in in more ways than one, <laughs> lifting the trophy and Nick, hard, Nick,
0: then, uh, can
1: you hear this, Nick? Just imagine, just imagine. But
2: why? It's a long way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he just said it in more words. Oh, my God. Have, like, in all seriousness, though, as well, <laughs> Tickle has also inherited a problem that oh. that Lampard had. The amount of games, even when when Chelsea scoring goals under Lampard there were so many chances missed. Yeah. This is not a prolific group of players. They're not clinical. I mean, we saw again against Sheffield United, okay, Chelsea didn't even create that many chances, but Pulisic himself should have had two. And it's like, come on, guys, you know, I, I'm sure they practice finishing at the training ground. But yeah, this is, this is a weird group that they just seem to take like six, eight chances to score one goal. And that's got to improve if they're going to become top side, or genuinely top side.
3: I mean, it's it's part of the reason why Manchester United are are where they are on the table. They're not a great team. They no. they they aren't a great collection of players. They don't play that well together. But they finish. I mean, like you you have to give them credit where credits due. If Chelsea could finish, you would you would think there would be a real threat in in all all phases of competition. Mm-hmm. But.
0: I don't think well, we've ever talked about XG more in an entire season, Dan. <laughs> um, it has been a huge, even with Lampard, we we're creating a ton of chances as well. We we're working on the, the finishing side of it, or we we're saying, damn, we're giving up one chance and one goal every game. It's, it's been um, a, a heavy theme of, of, of kind of discussions this season.
2: Well, I think it's the expected points table, which is basically takes your XG and your XGA. So your expected goals for and your expected goals allowed and reruns the table as if those results actually came to fruition. And Chelsea are second behind Man City in what the expected table is supposed to look like. And then in reality... We are not. We are in fourth place and uh, we are making sure that, you know, thanks, thanks to some help today from our friends at Arsenal, uh, a tiny little club in a different part of London, uh, we are still in fourth place, uh, but we're, you know, asking for a little help at the moment. And you wish that that weren't the case. And when we do get a chance to finish and I think maybe what the most promising thing is from the past two matches, maybe that can hopefully continue is we were scoring off the break. You know so we saw two goals now that have come really quick off the break, which is what this team, if we look at actually what what skill set our attackers do have, they're fast, they can move the ball quickly when anyone has to, and, and which gets us in a two two on one three on two type of scenario and it's gonna give us the opportunity. and when you think about who we've got next, you know we've got. A West Brom team, um, and then uh, Porto, Uh, West Brom is definitely going to give us some of the same opportunities that we saw today against Sheffield. Well,
3: I mean, you would hope that this team is is working on how to counter quickly and effectively and finish. Because if they do, unlike our, our previous match against Atletico Madrid, where we had 10 chances in the second half, where we had at least three on three or two on two and wasted most of them, if they do begin to convert those chances, it's going to put the whole game in a different frame, Simon, because the opposition is going to have to worry about then do, when do I come out? When do I try and attack Chelsea? And at some point, if Chelsea's scoring goals, they're going to have to come out, which should lead to more goals, hypothetically, right? Like, I mean, this is kind of a chess match,
1: but that, that's what I would like to see. Well, you just sort of think, you put you put a Didier Drogba or a Diego Costa in this team, Chelsea would be well I'm not saying they'd be ahead of man city obviously not because man city are a fantastic side but I think we I think you could safely say they'd be within 10 points of, of city they'd be the second best team in the country in my opinion um especially now that, that Tuchel's come in and 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 sort of made them better organized defensively um so that's why they're going for Haaland you know it, it's the it's a no brainer it's it's your it's it, it's the player that will fix things for ten years. Unfortunately, there's a lot of clubs that think I've got the same <laughs> idea. Funny enough. Um look, Werner was bought obviously to to provide goals. Um and it's 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 not he's not the answer. Um I think he can help with the answer, but he's not he's not that big talisman that Chelsea need to lead the line. Yeah. He's the guy to play off that guy. Um and yeah, if Chelsea can somehow pull this off, it will be it will be as big as winning the Champions League in some ways, because I think this guy would make Chelsea's sort of perennial uh, challenges for the biggest prizes.
3: Well, I mean, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Simon. Uh, Chelsea kind of lack the guy right now. Mm. You know, like there are there are a bunch of peripheral guys, guys that could potentially be the guy, but none of them have kind of cemented themselves as the guy the leader you know whereas we used to have three or four at a time you know and if and if one wasn't performing then the others would step up and do the job and so you know you're not to make this a holland podcast because that's not where that's not where we need to be right now but like if you get a guy like that there's there's clearly a hierarchy in place you know he's he's a he's a kind of a crazy you know physical striker who i think brings a different attitude to the team and you know, at that point you kind of have established a hierarchy and Timo can maybe play in a position and in a role that's more comfortable for him and his skill set and personality. Well, think about that. I mean, Timo's 50-plus, Pulisic
0: 50-plus, Hakim, fair, 30s. You know, he's kind of an with Kante Steele. Um, and then Havertz is, what was he, 65-70? You now have a very like loaded attacking set of players with a potential talisman striker, you know, you would expect them to be able to take on many, and many teams um, within England and Europe. We just have to see how it comes together. Cause I, I think we've seen Tuchel struggle to get a lot of those attacking players involved right now with the system he's playing. But again, he's opted for defense first before going into attack and offense. So I think there is going to be some shuffling and some changes this summer, but I think that, Chelsea we probably complained even the last couple of seasons that we haven't had a real deep amount of like good attacking players I think if you look at the roster right now you're like hey we have a good pool of attacking players we just got to figure out how they fit and how it all kind of works together minus a a, a true in and out striker um but what while, while we continue on into this uh we wanted to touch on a couple of the players uh from this match specifically uh Christian Pulisic had the chance to start today try to find some footing in this match um I think we've we've talked about he's had some unlucky situations with those soft muscle injuries some things like that Uh, he got the 90 minutes and uh Simon, I agreed with your tweet here. I, I said it to Elizabeth. We were watching it at Brits today. By the way, shout out to Brits and the Twin Cities Blues. This was the first day we were able to go back to the pub and and socially distance across all six of their rooms uh and watch the match. And someone even bought a round for all the Chelsea fans. Uh so well on to, to that. That was fun today. Okay. Um, I know, I know. I apologize for rubbing that in, Simon. Um <laughs> And, and it's, it's
2: been the Rubbin podcast episode with Simon, yeah, so just yeah. pile it on. Uh, Pulis, Pulisic
1: Pubs, was uh subbed off, <laughs> hair growing. Sun. I mean,
3: uh. yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon, you tweeted, Pulisic is getting to experience what Ed Nazard suffered on a regular basis, he was targeted. Absolutely. And, and a lot of them were innocuous kicks. It was like the ball was gone and they just left a trailing leg in. I mean, his calf and Achilles, I'm sure, just absolutely scraped up after today. Uh, but is, it, is that a sign that Sheffield looked at him as a threat and were trying to find ways to keep him from getting involved in the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a compliment. I mean, not the kind of compliment you want as a player. <laughs> Get battered for sort of uh, 90 minutes or such. But um no, I mean, I I, I think look, if you were we we're talking about X factor players just a minute ago. Uh, Christian Pulisic for a few months back in the last season was Chelsea's X factor. I mean, he it was one of the best runs of form, obviously since Hazard. You know that that that's what Chelsea was sort of thinking. Oh, great, let's go again. You know, if this if this guy can re- reproduce this form. Then, then my word, what what a bargain they've got at fifty eight million pounds or whatever it was. Um, it just hasn't happened for him this season. He, he's not really got that run of games, injuries, etc. Um, but the way he played against Sheffield United was promising. Um, there were signs of what we saw at the back end of last season. I mean, that lovely little jink inside uh, in the second half. I mean that that was what what we saw on a weekly basis, wasn't it? sort of between June and August of, of last year. Um, it's just a shame that he's finished, particularly the second one when it came back off Ramsdale. He, he sort of panicked and hoofed it high up into the into the shed end there. No, the Matthew Harding end, rather. Um, so, yeah, it's a performance to build on. The question mark is, will Tuchel give him the run of games that I think he needs to get back into the form we saw last summer? I, I mean... I looked at his performance today, and like clearly he
3: missed he missed his chances. He he didn't take his chances, but there were little glimmers of hope in there. Uh, and, and I think outside of the tactical fouling that um, that our fair referee did uh, did not <laughs> did not uh, just, you know decide to begin to yellow card any of these offenses. Uh, very hazard esque uh, in that regard. Um, I, I thought there was something going on here. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means, but. I started to see a little bit of the vision and the movement. And, you know, he did it on both sides. I mean, he was originally on the left and kind of focused in that area. And then he switched over to the right. And then he ends up in between three players. And after, you know, as much as he's lost the ball this year, which has been quite a bit, you know, just to be fair about this whole situation, he was able to pull a little bit of magic back out. And you saw the the, my favorite replay of that moment was the one that was kind of looking at him from the from the touchline and you saw Billy Gilmore go, oh, my God, what did he just do? <laughs> and, and like, you know, it's he still has that. I mean, I know it's not been a great season for him, but my hope is that he does get a run of games, Dan, because I think he can be incredibly useful down the stretch. It's not as if Chelsea are scoring a boatload of goals right now <laughs> and that you can't use someone with his talents.
2: Yeah, that's the the real hope. It's the hope for Timo. It's the hope for Tammy coming back from injury, for Drew, for Havertz. You know, any of them starts popping up with goals on even a semi-regular basis. You know, every 120 minutes, uh, every 180 minutes, it would be a phenomenal change from where we are currently, which, you know, Christian Pulisic is still waiting for the second and the third and the fourth goals to come this season, where... You know, project restart, he was banging them in for fun. And so, yeah, I, I think it was a better second half performance than it was a first half performance for him. Uh, the, you know, the first attempt, I mean, he kind of lost his footing, you know, kind of took a little contact as he was making his way into the box. So, you know, I think it looked like the cleaner shot, but it was just, you know, maybe wasn't able to kind of plant his foot appropriately. The second opportunity is probably where I think he could have done maybe a little better. But again, he has not played a ton of football. and. Um, you know, is, was, was getting, uh, a wonderful treatment. He was getting introduced to every single Sheffield United player in the most intimate fashion you can be on a football pitch. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if the, the officials are not going to protect the players, then, uh, I don't know what, what you do in that scenario other than just, you know, take your, take your blows and get up and, and
0: try to go again. I think he, he's he's he got to figure out the decision-making in the final third, which, to be fair, is the hardest part of football because that's the difference maker in these matches. But uh, usually one touch too many, doesn't get his head up, isn't able to kind of find the cutback or the cross or, or things like that. But... Look, I just saw it on the TV again. Like, his splitting of three defenders is a highlight for any player. And it reminds you that he can create space. He can beat defenders. Like, I think when we bought him, that was the big thing, is his ability to attack a defender one-on-one is what makes him electric and exciting. So uh,
3: he's He's also the only Chelsea player on the roster that can do that right now. Like, you know, I think let's be... Let's be fair about that. Callum's probably the closest after that, but mm-hmm. you don't—you haven't seen Callum do that regularly. His his straight line speed is is quicker than, than Pulisic's, and I think he uses that effectively. But in tight spaces, Pulisic is still probably your best bet to create something.
1: Yeah, um, I do. I do wonder. I'll just quickly chip in. I do wonder whether how much have we seen Christian really sprint since the cup final? Not a lot. Not a well, lot. I, I, think I think he's.
3: I uh, think worried about it.
1: I I do wonder whether it's on his. And and he'd be only a human to sort of have that fear in the back of his mind. Or mm-hmm. don't 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 push myself too much because we all have. We, we can all remember when he, he's through on goal and he's and then you know. But for that hamstring injury, it's probably a goal, right? So uh, I just sort of think that that's that's been on his mind all season um, because he just he does seem a little sort of and like a yard short of the pace that he showed in that, in that great stretch of form that he, that, that he had. Yeah,
0: no, that's fair. Uh, another player without a lot of minutes this season, under Tuchel and just in general, Billy Gilmore, right? So London football tweeted, Billy Gilmore versus Sheffield United numbers, 70 minutes, 92% pass accuracy, three out of five long balls completed, Five of six ground duels, one. That's the scrappy Scott we like to hear. 100% aerial duels, one and three tackles. Uh, Clearly involved in a lot of different stuff. Simon, uh, you could you could probably understand if if he needed more time. You know, is not not an amazing day from him, but a tidy day. I I don't think he hurt us in in any sense. Um, And he's just someone who hasn't played a lot. He seemed to fit though in a double six.
1: Yeah, I I think under the circumstances he played pretty well. First of all, can I I should actually say I'm just relieved he was playing. <laughs> yes. That so first lineup, I was like, oh no, you know, how on earth can he not be playing and not even in the squad? Um I had to quickly uh delete some tweets thanks to Chelsea's uh, uh initial um tweet of the lineup. But I was very relieved to do so because um there'd definitely be questions because they were they were really him and his camp were really pushing for a low move not because they they have any you know anything against Chelsea but he is desperate to play for Scotland at the Euros um and they were in real real negotiations with Chelsea let me go let me go and and Tuchel is is thinking Chelsea first and and understandably so he's thinking right this is my my fourth guy on the list of of sixes Um, what happens if there's an injury to to Conte, Jorginho or Kovacic? I need Gilmore to stick around. But it does inevitably mean that Gilmore's minutes are going to be low because he's going to go with two of those three in most weeks. Um, But getting back to how he played, I I thought he was pretty... First half, I thought it was the better half. Um, I thought he was Chelsea's best player in the first half and there was that... There was that pass to Hudson-Odoi, which, albeit it was ruled out for offside, and Hudson-Odoi didn't really control it anyway. But it was that kind of vision that I go right. That's the kind of thing that he can add to this team that more than Jorginho does. And Jorginho's passing is quite safe from that position. I think I think Gilmore has the ability to pick out passes like that far better. So encouraging, but. I'm a bit worried about when he'll next gets to play for Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's the that's the question now, right? It
3: is, okay, cool, the F, the easy FA Cup game, yeah. right? We're going to throw him in. We'll throw him in against, you know, Morecambe or, or whatever. But will he get to play in the Premier League down the stretch, you know? And, like, given the now, you know, kind of weird run that we have in this Champions League, like, Will he be able to, you know, give Conte or Kovacic a, a breather in the midweek? Um, you know, th- those are all kind of questions that I think Tuchel needs to to answer, right? Because he's clearly a talented player. He he's not going to be up to speed in the same way that uh, that Conte or Kovacic or Jorginho will be, because they're the only three that have played <laughs> in the last two months. So you're going to have to trust him a little bit, but you know, my moment of, of the matches he saw, you know, a, you know, a quick break happening and split it up with a slide tackle. That was excellent in, in the first half. And, you know, that's, he can bring that energy to the squad. I think he can be really, uh, really good for, for morale and, and definitely bring something to the passing game. As you said, Simon, that that will hopefully open up some lanes outside. Cause it, you know, Sheffield Shef, United were playing like a back six at one point. I mean, hudson and Doy, all the way at the corner flag, had no room to operate in the first half. And so you have to figure out ways to kind of get around that. You you, you
0: wouldn't be blamed for, for wanting Billy to get that chance at the Euros. I think all those – I mean, what are all the, the different stats we've heard? simon mean, they haven't been to like a major international tournament in like 20-some years. So they're like, no, 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 this actually might be Billy's only chance in his entire career, even though he's – 18 or 19, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so I look, I don't think Tuchel's less Billy Gilmore going to Scotland versus Frank, who it sounded like was very pro, like get Billy into the squad. It's just you have to do what's best for the team. And and unfortunately for Billy, with the new manager coming in, he's like, no, no, no I want to keep him. I want to keep Tino. I want to see them in the squad and, and figure out a way to do it. And so, it, again, it was just good to see him get some minutes. Um,
1: I was going to say that, that perhaps it is, it's a bit like that though if you're Tino Andrew and, and Billy Gilmore because is it is it better to be in the camp right now with Tuchel showing what you can do on a regular basis than being out on loan and playing minutes? It's a bit it's a bit of a toss-up because they're getting a chance to impress Tuchel now whereas the guys out on loan of course they, they can show their stuff but they've not got that relationship starting to build already. I mean, from for my understanding uh Tuchel pulled Gilmore aside uh, last week before this game and, and had a positive chat with him and pretty much told him what he tells us in the press conference, how much he likes him, et cetera, et cetera. All part of his man management. I, I think if you're Gilmore, you're going you're gonna to have mixed emotions because, yeah, of course he wants to be playing every week, but long-term, what is the best chance for him to force his way into Tuchel's thinking? it might be actually to be in this situation now where he gets to relate to him on a, on a daily basis in training. Yeah. Um, Dan, a couple other people
0: that that put in a good shift, no surprise, defensive players, right? So you called out Zoom and Chilwell uh, and expected Chelsea kind of giving you a little, uh, a little ammunition for that chilly B post.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think these are, you know, it's easy to call out the defense when you, again, retain a clean sheet and have a minimum number of you know shots allowed. So I think ultimately, when you take a look at Chilwell's numbers, uh, played the 90 minutes, 40 uh, completed passes or so 94.1%, one assist, one key pass, one big chance created, one own goal cost. Uh, so I guess a, <laughs> uh, cross shot, who knows, uh, six tackles, two interceptions, four clearances, nine out of 11 ground duels, one, two out of three aerial duels, one, two free kicks, one. Uh, I, yeah, I just thought it was a p- good performance from him. You know, I think he's someone who's kind of been called out a little bit, you know, lost out to some minutes as Alonzo started creeping into that starting lineup again in that left wing back spot. And this showed that he can do it and be involved and, you know, be a contributor and had that great, you know, uh, essentially off the line kind of clearance there after the ball bounced around on the box. And yeah, I I think in general, Simon, it was a positive contribution from Ben as particularly after just the, the impact of maybe losing a, a guaranteed starting spot to Marcus Alonso.
1: Yeah. I wrote a piece about, um, Ben only a few weeks ago. Um, and he's reacted very well actually to the whole thing. Uh, because you can imagine, you know, like he's the big, big money signing from Leicester, um, in terms of that position on that, and he must have think must have been thinking, you know, this is this is my spot. I'm 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 all good for the whole season. Um, he it, it would have been if, if Lampard had stayed for sure. I mean, Marcus Alonso, since heading for that bus at halftime at West Brom, um has <laughs> has basically remained uh in, in the baggage holes uh, underneath it basically <laughs> there's not really much else to do um, but Chihuahua actually is very honest one he recognises that Marcus Alonso is a better left wing back he 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 recognises that I'm a left back he's a left wing back that's that's his skill set and he's one of the best players in that position not just at Chelsea obviously but in the league in Europe you have to say I mean his goal scoring record is remarkable Um he also acknowledged, from my understanding, that his form in the final few weeks on the Lampard wasn't that great; that he, he he started to dip a little bit. Um, so he knew he knew he had a bit to prove, and I think slowly but surely he's starting to prove it. I I would like him to be able to pass with his right foot a bit more. <laughs> I was watching it. I was watching it today, and I was going, I, I'm not sure I've seen him pass the ball with his right foot yet. And, and sometimes that leaves him into sort of very, he, he looks so left-footed that he can't find a teammate as well. Um, and, and and moves can sort of slap a little bit because he's so worried about getting the ball on his left foot. Um, but I, I, I still think that Ben chill is a good signing for Chelsea and he's going to be in this position uh, in terms of f- fulfilling the left-back role or the left-wing-back role for years to come.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen too much good stuff out of Ben Chill on his kind of short professional career in the Premier League to to write him off so soon. I mean, all players had to adapt. Tuchel came in, changed some things. Obviously, left wing back was built for Marcos Alonso. Naturally, he's probably going to look better in that role, but it doesn't mean Ben Chilwell can't grow into it and, and learn some things as well. I mean, Alonso's I think 30 now, if not almost. So it's not like we're going to be looking to keep him around for the long term. Uh, it's, it's chill wells to, to come grab. So, uh, totally agree. Uh, I'm going to keep it moving to the Dan of the match. Cause we just got the draw. No spoilers, no spoilers, but Dan, Dan of the match. I can't believe all of these defenders in there. Come on now. <laughs> there were only
2: two defenders. There were two defenders. There was a midfielder and an attacking player. This is a pretty bounce one considering my recent chicanery that I brought into the Dan of the match. Uh, Christian Pulisic wins the day with 45% followed closely by Kurt Zuma at 24%. Then it was Ben Gilwell with 18% and Billy Gilmore with 13%. Uh, I I probably would have gone with Zuma, but, you know, plus it did well.
3: Yeah, I think I think I go to Mizuma as well. Okay. That wow, that was
0: actually surprisingly abrupt. Uh Simon
1: <laughs> who was I'll, your man of the you match By the way, I'm going to turn I'm going to have to turn a light on in here soon because it's <laughs> I'm dusk has hit. It's it go fading into darkness, which looks a bit <laughs> ominous actually.
0: Um look, I yeah, well, well we'll just keep it moving, don't worry. We'll we'll get there before you have to turn on the kerosene lamps or anything like that, I promise. <laughs> um uh, look, yeah, I think, Dan, to your point, Pulisic might be a little of American-skewed on that one, but it, I think at least people appreciated the the moments that he brought to the game. He was creativity. the official man of the match, too. You know, yeah. but, though. Honestly, we don't really care about that. Come on, now. <laughs> All right, uh, the time to blame Nick Award. Chelsea, the draw has come out in the middle at halftime of this Leicester City-Manchester United match. Um, look, in a group text... Uh, all right, maybe even the beginning of this pot. I can't remember when we talked about it. Nick, you expected City. You're like, that's the way it goes. I'm like, no, we've had the luck of the draw,
3: all these good things.
0: Well, Nick, who was right?
3: I was right. Oh yeah. So so the draw is Chelsea play Man City in the semi final at Wembley. The winner of this hilarious hilarious Leicester City Manchester United game will play Southampton at Wembley, and uh, and look. You're gonna to have to play someone good at some point in this tournament, right? So I'm I'm adopting Dan's let's just play him now rule, uh, and and let's see what happens. You know they they struggled last year in the semifinal. We'll we'll, we'll suit.
2: You you were getting them this round, or you're getting them the next round.
3: So yeah.
2: you're just advancing one step forward.
1: That's fine. You're gonna to have to play him. Can I can I just flag that actually this is one of the rare rare moments where Man City actually have a tough draw. Um, <laughs> True. True. They, like, if anything, we probably would have expected them to get Southampton. Um, you know, given given their history, they, they tend to get quite lucky with draws. Um, but uh, look, this is this is going to provide a great sort of contrast, isn't it? Because we we all remember um, the, the the game where uh, Chelsea were just completely bossed at Stanford Bridge early in the year um, and that was very much the, the sign that things were, were definitely going to change in terms of the coaching department they, they, and it was also the start if you remember City hadn't been that great from for, for the first half of the season mm-hmm. and then they rock up to Chelsea and it was kind of like the perfect storm. Chelsea went in a great run of form but City suddenly decided hang on we're going to We're going to put on the afterburners and suddenly show that we are the best team in the country and and totally outclass Chelsea. They're going to face a totally different Chelsea this time around. And I think Tuchel will will thrive or certainly look forward to the challenge of taking Guardiola's men on. Um, Tough draw for Chelsea, but tough draw for Man City as well. But look, I mean,
3: again, we we think back to it's one of our favorite matches that we've ever done a, a review on was in 2016 when Antonio Conte had just started to put the 343 into place and we rocked up to city and completely shithoused that game away. And it was an, an incredible performance. I mean, it was a you know, one of the most memorable Chelsea matches uh, of, of the last five years. That style and that contrast is still there. I mean, like you think about the way Chelsea's playing right now, the only difference is we don't have Eden Hazard to bail us out of of a tough situation right now. Um, but uh, a lot of the defensive structure and solidity kind of reminds you of that. So it'll be interesting to see just the contrast between the two styles again, and and whether or not Chelsea can put enough together to maybe eke one out. Yeah, I
0: mean, look, one one cynical person could make the argument that this will be a matchup of two teams without a striker. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, but this means we can't play him in the Champions League final. So I think this is good. This is immunity. This gives us immunity from facing, no?
3: Oh, Nick gave me a weird look, I guess. I, you know, I, I'm <sighs> not sure that's how it works, for
0: <laughs> the, the UCL doesn't have a draw that says you can't face a team that you faced in a domestic comp competition. That's, okay.
3: <laughs> there is no asterisk in the, in the fine print of their uh, alleged rules for the draw. Their terms and yeah.
0: conditions.
3: Everybody yeah, scrolls through it.
2: Different. Nobody reads it. <laughs>
3: all right well hey look we're gonna wrap
0: this one up we surprisingly got to a full 60 minute show today ladies and gentlemen we weren't so sure before the pod but simon <laughs> simon thank you so much for uh as you put it waffling on and and generating great discussion sharing your ideas as always we we love having you on
1: i, I knew i could do it <laughs> 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 and also yeah i'm glad that we can wrap this up just before i'm in complete
0: yeah there's a bit of a natural timer to this podcast for those of you at home so uh don't worry we won't post the video audio clips only dan nick gentlemen thank you uh last reminder go check out simon's work on the athletic uh they have a free podcast as well um and uh, I would say, oh yeah, check it out on Patreon. A lot of discussion going to be going on this week around the women, around the youth. Uh, and even a little sneaky surprise if you stayed this long, we should be dropping Joe Tweed's first Kings Road Ooh. podcast episode. So uh, more on that. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Get involved. Thanks, Simon, on Twitter. But that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.